0: Welcome to It's Lit Time with Dr. Tess. I'm Tess Martinez, I'm an English teacher, and on this podcast, we talk about anything that has a storyline, from epic film trilogies to picture books. This is the show where literature gets lit. Hello, my friends, it's Dr. Tess, and I'm back with my next episode on The Fellowship of the Ring. Um, I released an episode in October um, about... um, my how, how much progress i had made so far in reading the fellowship of the ring um just to recap i am intending and i don't have a time goal on this i know it would have been nice and neat and tidy if i had said like this is going to be my 2022 thing or even if i had waited and said this is going to be my 2023 thing but instead i just decided to dive in and see how long it takes me um, to reread the um jr tolkien's works on middle earth Um, definitely the Lord of the Rings and the Silmarillion. Um, I would like to get into some of the other works that, um, were published after his death, like, um, the Unfinished Tales and the Book of Lost Tales and things like that. Um, but let's, let's, let's get through the, (laughs) um, the Lord of the Rings and Silmarillion first. Oh, and the Hobbit. I forgot to say I did, I did do an episode on the Hobbit as well. Uh, How could I forget? Um, so I have finished reading the Fellowship of the Ring. And, um, I wanted to just do a quick episode here with some of my thoughts and observations, um, pick up on some of the things that I brought up in the first episode on the fellowship of the ring. Um, so without further ado, let's, let's talk. Um, so one thing I talked a lot about in the first episode that I made was pacing. Um, I believe I was at the Brancing Pony in the first, um, at, at the time I had stopped and made the first episode and, I was about halfway through the book and yet they had just barely Frodo and co had just barely made it out of the Shire. And so um, the pacing is really interesting. Um, But once we get to um, Rivendell and the council of Elrond and the purpose becomes clear and we really, we, you know, we have the formation of the fellowship of the ring, which is the title of the first book. That's when things really get going. Um, and I, I will say one thing, <laughs> it's a little thing that I'm proud of myself for. Um, I think the very first time I read the Lord of the Rings when I was 14 years old and I didn't know what I was getting into, but I loved it. I'm pretty sure I didn't skip anything, but the next several times that I read the, the Lord of the Rings, I would always skip through a big chunk of the Council of Elrond chapter because it just felt like just so much talking and, um, it, it i mean the writing in that part is very dense everybody's making big speeches um telling long stories but when you when you've just read the hobbit and when you've really been immersing yourself in lord of the rings lore or middle earth lore like i have for the past about 6 months that part is fascinating when you start to see how everything fits together um you know gollum getting captured and 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 pumped for information and Um, the the corruption of Saruman and all this kind of, or or they suspect the corruption of Saruman. Well, no, I guess they know he's corrupt by that point because he had held um, Gandalf prisoner. Um, Anyway, all that stuff is just really interesting. Even Boromir's journey to get to the Council of Elrond and how little he knew about what was going on until he gets there and how his mind is blown (laughs) by all the things he's learning. Um, All that stuff is really, really fascinating. So I did not skip any part of the Council of Elrond and I'm glad I did not. So my point there is that after that chapter, once they get on the road, um, man, they move at a brisk pace and, and a lot of important things happen, uh, memorable things. They go to a lot of memorable places. Um, and, and they happen at a a pretty fast clip. So, um, yeah, I'm not, this is not a criticism of the pacing of the first part of the story, just that it's very interesting, especially if you're only familiar with the movie, Um, just to see how long it takes them to get out of the Shire and then how fast things unroll after they get out of the Shire. So um, I know one thing I talked a lot about in the first episode was things that are left out of the movie. Um, There are fewer of those in the second half of The Fellowship of the Ring or or book two um, because I think because there are just so much more – um, epic and cinematic scenes in the second half of the movie one thing that they do leave out is um, or I should say they kind of, they shorten the scene in Lothlorien um, with uh, or, or the sequence rather because um, there's several different scenes there um, in the book the the fellowship is met outside of Lothlorien by a party of elves and um, they spend some time on the borders of Lothlorien Um, And there's this really creepy scene where they're sleeping up in a tree and um, they hear Gollum and and they actually see I think Frodo sees Gollum um, just kind of peeking over the the platform where they're sleeping in the tree and his glowing eyes and then um, the elves um, chase him out. They're unable to catch him. Um, so just little things like that um, that that just would have made the movie absolutely uh, uh, more of a mini series than a movie if they had let all of those things in um, just are interesting and that's why my only point here is that uh, the movies are great but if you've only ever read the movies um, and you love the story um, I'm not saying that everybody needs to read the books um, but if you love the story and and you you want more of it um, read the books because there's just there's just so much um, depth and 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 depth and breadth I would say um, that just couldn't be represented I mean the movies did the best I think that they could as films um but anyway um read the books okay um so one thing that I talked about in my first episode when I was talking about Tom Bombadil was Tolkien's poetry and how I don't. <laughs> I think it leaves some things to be desired. Um, but uh, there are some great um, more saga type epic um, poems in the second half of the Lord of the Rings, um, that sometimes characters, will, or excuse me, in the second half of the Fellowship of the Ring that sometimes characters will just just break into when they're you know sitting around a campfire at night or something. Um, and uh, Bilbo was writing a poem about, I think it was Gil Galaad. Um, when they're in uh, when they're in Rivendell, and and I think that poetry in general is better than the kind of doggerel nonsense poetry that you get in the first half of the book. Um, but I I I think Tolkien's strong suit was prose. Um, but uh, you know, his poetry is not terrible. (laughs) Listen to me, like I know what I'm talking about, but no, I, I, I don't think it's terrible, and um, uh. If you um, have been watching, if you watched the Rings of Power uh, or if you, you know, read anything about the Second Age um, or the First Age, um, some of the characters that show up in the Rings of Power um, and in some of those earlier works are immortalized in poetry um, in the Third Age. Um, in some of the poems that you encounter here in the Fellowship of the Ring, you learn about Erendil and um Gilgalad and people like that. So it's fun, just how it all connects. I mean, there's an unmatched depth to this world that Tolkien's created that you, no other fantasy author, I, I don't think, has. Some have approximated, but no one has matched. Okay. Um. Let's see. A uh, couple other interesting trends that I'm noticing as I read the books. Um. Frodo's character development is really interesting. Um. um Frodo is always a, a for a Hobbit very I would say thoughtful, kind of quiet, um, but also uh, someone who enjoys um, thinking about, at least, if not experiencing uh, far off lands, travel, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, But he does change as a character and you see it. There's just this seriousness that descends on him um, when he becomes the ring bearer like literally when he receives the ring near the beginning of the story but then also you know he he gets this task given to him to be the one to destroy the ring um halfway through his book at the council of elrond and he he's never quite the same again he he truly i think understands the seriousness of his task i mean if he had known everything that he was going to go through, then maybe he wouldn't have agreed to it. Um, but he he knows and, and, and just the resolve that he um, stirs up in himself to decide to go on by himself because he doesn't want to put anyone else in danger um, is really amazing. <laughs> um, really, really amazing. And um, of course, Sam ends up going with him, which we're all very thankful for. Um, but you know, he was going to go, he was going to sneak out, (laughs) uh, or at least he thought he was, um, and, and go destroy the ring by himself. Um, and I just love that line. It's in the book and the movie, um, at the end of the council of Elrond, everybody's fighting, arguing about what they should do with the ring, who should take it, all this kind of stuff. And Frodo pipes up and says, I will take the ring to Mordor, but I do not know the way. (laughs) Um, and, and, you know, just that there's like a clear eyedness to that. Like he knows the seriousness of what he's getting into, but also the admission the admission that like I'm I in some ways I'm a child. I don't even know how to get out of Rivendell, like which direction to go. Um and and that's and then I love that Gandalf steps in and then one by one, all the members of the fellowship step in and say, you know, I will go with you and they all have something to contribute and it's very beautiful. So, um, but yeah, Frodo's character development. I mean, we're going to see, um, as he continues bearing the ring, um, the ring really takes a toll on him. And you know, he, there's this great, how I won't talk about it in this episode because it's in one of the later books and I want to make sure I quote it correctly, but there's this great, great line that I'm thinking of, but anyway, Spoiler. That for now, that's a spoiler. We'll (laughs) um, we'll wait until I get to that point in the books. Um, The nature description. Sorry, I'm just going from one topic to the next. I have a list of topics here, and I'm I'm checking them off. Um, The nature description continues to be beautiful. I know I quoted some of those in the in my first episode, and here it's just. I mean, especially when they're in that first um, leg going from Rivendell to the mines of Moria. Um, and they, you know, they have to pass over, um, the mountains and, um, there's just some really, really great nature description. Um, that, uh, yeah, I don't have a passage picked out here to, uh, to read to you, but because there's it's just constant. I mean, it's not like one passage where you're like, Oh wow, this is, you know, it's just little, little glimpses here and there there and they're always looking at the sky um because i mean this is a a, a culture i guess you would say um oh in a period of, of history when this they get a lot of information from the sky because they don't have you know phones to weather apps you know <laughs> and stuff like that um and so um, and and we're dealing with some characters here like like Aragorn, um, and like Legolas who really know how to, to interpret the signs, um, of the sky. And so they're constantly looking up there and, and getting information from it. Um, and I'm just flipping through the book right now. And like, I mean, there's a, there's just little things like talking about a moonless and starless night. And I mean you can imagine how dark that would be. Um, he's constantly describing the clouds. I think I, I read a part from the Hobbit about how the clouds were like rags flying across the sky. Um, it's just, it's just great. I mean, I think that's where Tolkien really, really shines. Um, he, he shines in a lot of ways, but I think his nature description is just something that's often overlooked if you're just reading the story for the adventure. Um, but it's, it's gorgeous. So anyway, I won't say any more about that. Um, for now, I mean, I'll say more about it in future episodes. Um, oh, so, um, I'll talk about that last. Uh, a couple other things, um, just some miscellaneous things here. Um, something that I'm really enjoying um, is, I've mentioned this before, but I'm really, really enjoying the lore videos by from the YouTube channel Nerd of the Rings. Um, that guy, and I can't think of his name right now, um, but he, I mean, I just call him Nerd of the Rings. Um, he has just put some really done some really, really meticulous research, but he's very accessible. He explains things in a, in a, in layman's terms. He has a great sense of humor. Um, he, I am really enjoying his videos. If you do not subscribe to nerd of the rings, um, I highly recommend it right now. He's doing a series on the Valar Valar. I never know where you're supposed to put the accent on that word. Um, but you know, the, the, some, some might call them the, the demigods, um, of um or even the gods if you want to look at it that way of of middle earth although technically it's a monotheistic world there's one god eru the one um but anyway uh maybe you could call them like the archangels or something uh they um he's doing a a a series each week he comes out with a video on one of them and they're usually about 10 minutes 10 to 15 minutes long and he just talks about um their major characteristics and how they show up in the stories um so I'm really learning a lot from these. I brought this up because one thing he does a lot really well is in his videos, he'll show you maps of, of where things are talk- taking place um, that he's discussing. And um, I've always been a person who kind of skimmed over the maps. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of maps in Tolkien's work. Um, he um, was, you know, uh, he built, drew maps himself. Um, and uh, a lot of times I was just like, eh. you know, I have a general sense that, you know, the Undying Lands are in the West and Mordor is in the East and that's about it. Um, but from watching um Near the Rings videos, from watching Rings of Power as well, because they showed a lot of maps in that show and from being married to a guy who's more interested in maps um, than I ever have been, uh, I'm starting to actually get a better sense of the geography of Middle Earth. And um, it actually really helps me as I'm reading um, the books just to, even just in the fellowship of the ring to think about the vast distances that they cover on foot or, you know, sometimes they're on boats or whatever. Um, but mostly on foot and uh, just, it's, it's, it really re- enriches my experience of, of the stories. So um, whether or not you see yourself as a map person, um, I think that you can really um, just enhance your, your experience of, of reading the, the Lord of the Rings if you just pay a little bit more attention to to the maps that are provided so there's that um I wanted to talk about Aragorn because he's one of my favorite characters who doesn't like Aragorn I've never heard anyone say they didn't like Aragorn um and of course I mean there's so much and you know if you know the whole story you're accustomed to thinking of Aragorn as the king you've probably heard you know a lot of people say he's a Christ figure and there definitely are many similarities between um Aragorn and and Jesus, but he ultimately he is a he is a fallible man and um, very very human, especially in this first book when he's kind of coming into his confidence as a leader because he spent years. I mean, this is not his first leadership role, but this is his certainly the most important leadership role of his life, and he's preparing to take on you know the the mantle of, of being. The rightful king um, of, of basically all of Middle-earth. And he but but he you can tell that he he he's taken on that role. It's very similar to what I've said about Frodo. He's taken on that role. He knows it's his. He doesn't doubt that, but he sometimes doubts his own ability and doesn't always trust his decisions, but he doesn't let that stop him from leading. I guess I, I was just flipping through here and I found this, this kind of chaotic scene right at the end of the fellowship of the ring in the chapter called the breaking of the fellowship. And it's right after, um, Frodo has had this confrontation with Boromir and decided that he's going to leave. And Boromir comes back and makes this confession and says, like, I think I messed up. Um, you know, I, I I don't know where Frodo is now. I can't find him. I think he put the ring on. And uh I'll just read a little bit here. I'll kind of skim through this. This is bad, said Sam, jumping up. I don't know what this man, capital M man talking about Boromir, has been up to. Um, and and he starts to be suspicious of Boromir and wonder where Frodo is, and then Pip Pippen chime in about this and Aragorn's trying to get some information. How long is it since you saw Frodo last Boromir? And then Boromir tells me he thinks it's been half an hour, maybe an hour. I don't know. Um, and then Sam is like freaking out. And Aragorn just says, wait a moment. We must divide up into pairs and arrange. And then he, and he interrupts himself. Here, hold on. Wait, because all the hobbits are running around trying to find Frodo, yelling Frodo's name. And then I'll just read you this paragraph. We shall all be scattered and lost, groaned Aragorn. Boromir I do not know what part you have played in this mischief but help now go after these two young hobbits and guard them at the least even if you can't find Frodo come back to this spot if you find him or any traces of him I shall return soon Aragorn sprang swiftly away and went in pursuit of Sam so just I love that little part there like Aragorn groaned he he's 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 trying to make a plan then everybody's listening to him and so he has to just stop and 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 you know, try to enforce order and still nobody's listening to him. And because they still are thinking of him as Strider, this ranger, they're not thinking of him as, you know, the king who to whom you owe your allegiance. Um even though there there have been hints of that, um, like in the Council of Elrond. Um and so I just love how human he is and how um just there's this tension between him wanting to give up and be like well we messed up this is the end of the fellowship and the tension between that and then him also wanting to to continue and um you know salvage what he can and of course we see that at the beginning of the two towers fellowship is broken into three uh four it well you got two dead members and then you got Frodo and sam going off by themselves and then you got and pippin captured by orcs and then you got um, Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli who are trying to, at least, I think, I think Aragorn says something to the effect that like, well, you know, Frodo, we can't do anything for him now, but I will not abandon Merry and Pippin to capture and death, something like that. Um, and so, uh, you know, all we can do basically is hope for Frodo and Sam, but we can actually do something for Merry and Pippin. Um, and so I I just, I love, he's, I mean, Aragorn, he's brilliant he's got this ability to 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 change course to change strategy in in the middle of a of, you know a plan and and if you think about this too he never expected to be in charge because gandalf was always the leader and then he loses gandalf very early on um and and then so then i think before he was prepared to be he has to step up and um, he just i don't know i think he's great um he reminds me and I I've made this comparison before and maybe someone else has made this, maybe I will. this is, I don't think this is original to me, but um, you know, in the, the early seasons of, of the walking dead, uh, Rick Grimes was very much a, an Aragorn figure because he wanted to do the right thing. He definitely inspired um, confidence, but also he wasn't, I mean, he made mistakes and he doubted himself and yet he still tried to keep doing the right thing. Um, I think Rick is a lot more flawed than Aragorn, especially in his later seasons. But that's, you know, I won't, I won't say anything more about that right now because it's not about The Walking Dead. This is about <laughs> The Fellowship of the Ring. Um, but uh, definite similarities there. Just just a great character and um, obviously played beautifully by Viggo Mortensen in um, the movies. So last thing I want to talk about is uh, something that I mentioned in my last episode um, which is that I got to meet the four Hobbit actors. Um, not, not Bilbo, but, um, uh, uh the, you know, uh, I'll just say their names. Uh, Elijah Wood, who played Frodo, um, Sean Astin, who played Samwise, um, Dominic Monaghan, who played Mary and Billy Boyd, who played Pippin. They all, they have reunited in case you haven't heard this news yet they are, are on tour together <laughs> they actually came out with a t-shirt that says hobbits on tour and it shows a little tour bus It's really cute. Um, and, uh, they are going to different cons. Um, and, uh, I was able to, myself and my husband and my mother, um, were able to see them at steel city con in Monroeville, Pennsylvania, um, just outside Pittsburgh. And, um, we, we, we shelled out some money to uh, to get a photo up with them. So we have a picture of ourselves with them. And just they're just delightful in the picture. And then the next day we went and uh, went to a panel discussion with the four of them. And wow, it's it's so – it's hard to imagine it's been 20 years. And it's also hard to imagine that they are not actually Frodo, Sam, Mary, and Pippin because they just have this, this dynamic that's so similar. I mean, obviously, Elijah Wood is a lot um, happier and – healthier and more well adjusted than frodo became in the story it's kind of like like they were early in the story um when they were just setting out from the shire and they were all kind of innocent that's well innocent's probably not the right word but that that's the way they kind of act with each other just lighthearted. you can tell they've been friends um for a long time and just their 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 comedic time is is impeccable but they all like people were asking them serious questions and they were giving substantial answers i mean there was a constant thread of humor running through it all but they also like knew the stories really well knew their characters inside and out um and just it's been 20 years but they don't seem like they've gotten tired of talking about this stuff and and living in that world um, and so it was just delightful to hear them. And uh, oh, the, what I was going to say was Elijah Wood it does seem like an incredibly earnest and sincere person. And so he's a total, like, um, obvious butt of jokes. Like, it's like, <laughs> like, he, he seems like he is just asking to be made fun of sometimes but he's a good sport about it so (laughs) um and honestly I think the smart the most not the smartest they're all smart but like the most articulate and thoughtful of them all is is Sean Astin I mean that guy is I I like him a lot I admire him very much in case you guys didn't know I think I've talked about that on this this podcast before um anyway uh (laughs) Um, so yeah, that was, that was a real treat. That was a delight to meet them and just see that they're, they are, they are themselves (laughs) and we wouldn't want them to be anything else. All right. Well, that's it for me for the fellowship of the ring. I'm sure there are many things that, well, I know there are many things that I could have talked about that I didn't. Um, so I'd like to hear, you know, what are your thoughts? And, Um, what do you want me to talk about? Um, when, as I move on with the two towers and and the return of the King, um, I don't, I have plans to read those two at least, um, in the new year. Uh, I will probably pick up my copy of the two towers shortly after January 1st, um, and start reading that. And, uh, We'll see how that goes. So, thank you for listening to me ramble. I really appreciate it. Um, I, I I should say here at the end of the year, I do appreciate my listeners, and um, you know, if you have ideas, I'm, I'm going to be doing these these talking um, episodes, um, for the foreseeable future, but that doesn't mean I can't do episodes on other things. So if you have other, um, story related, that's really broad, you guys, story related topics that you would like me to talk about, um, please, uh, please share them Uh, let me know. And, um, uh, let me know if you're reading, um, the, the Lord of the Rings, uh, along with me. Um, I'd love to talk with you about that. Okay. I hope you have a a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And I I will talk with you in the new year.